Welcome to Bite-Sized Agency Briefs, a webinar series that packs a ton of important agency information on one topic from one expert into a 25-minute brief. Why 25 minutes? Because who has the attention span for much more these days? And you can squeeze in a listen between meetings with time for a bathroom break or coffee refill before your next meeting. Thanks for tuning in. This is Bite-Sized Agency Briefs. I'm your host, Steve Guberman from Agency Outsight, where I coach agency owners to build the agency of their dreams. Uh, I'm lucky to be here today with Jody Grunden. He's the co-founder of Summit CPA Group, now Anders CPAs and Advisors. And we'll get into that uh, whole merger uh, mm -hmm. in a minute. But you guys were the first fully distributed accounting firm. And Jody literally wrote the book on helping digital companies create a financial roadmap to success. We'll dig, we'll dig into that also. So thanks for joining me today. How are you? Yeah, thanks, Steve, for having me. Uh, so let's start off. Uh, t let's talk about uh, Summit CPA, Anders, Merger, Fully Distributed. <laughs> you know, wh what's that whole story all, uh, about there? Yeah, no, great, great question. I could probably talk about an hour. So let's break it down to five <laughs> <laughs> um, we, we started, you know, when I started Summit CPA Group back in 2002, I wanted to change the way that people really thought about accounting. I really wanted to kind of be that thought leader, you know, really kind of burst the bubble, change, you know, be that change agent. And it, it was tough, tough going from the very beginning because it was, a, it was a, definitely a dinosaur industry doing the same thing over and over, building by the hour, you know, all, all those different things. But um, we, we gradually started, you know, chipping away at it. You know, we got rid of the hourly bill. You know, back in 2004, we went to a subscription-based billing model in 2007, mm -hmm. you know, where we actually not, we don't bill monthly, we bill weekly. So we just zap everybody's account every week and make really kind of change the way that model worked. We introduced the CFO service in 2004, uh, which at that point uh, really didn't even exist for, for the most part. And uh, we, we went right away to strategic advising. So when we say CFO service, we, you know, a lot of people think about the back end office accounting, the paying the bills, invoicing, bookkeeping type of stuff. Well, we did that for about a third of our clients, but we really focused more on the strategic thing, the, the KPIs, the strategy, you know, breaking things down, forecasting, you know, out, not just, you know, the near term, but the long term. So we, we did all of that. And so kind of Fast forwarding to 2000 and probably 2011, we started focusing on the creative agency niche where we were only looking and really kind of going after clients that were, you know, web design, web development, SEO companies, you know, all, all the different media companies that we were looking at. Mm -hmm. And we really started seeing that vertical grow, you know, grow fast. So we were, we were niching into the virtual CFO service and that's really what we were doing. And then we we're also niching into an, an industry which made a difference. And then we did the the big thing. We took the big leap of faith and we got rid of our office in 2013. And uh, that wow. was a, a big, big jump because no one else was doing that. We were one of the first, according to Forbes, at least, we were one of the first 125 companies in the world to, to actually make that move. And, um, you know, it, it ended up paying off dividends. You know, at first I thought we were going to lose the entire company because we got all the different, you know, excuses that you heard during it. You know, the pandemic can't work at home, all this kind of stuff. Fast forward pandemic, yep. everybody figured it out. And that's exactly what happened to us is that our team figured out how to work from home and, and they loved it. And so that's when our growth yeah. really kind of blew up. We went from, you know, 18 folks at that point to 55, you know, you know at the end of uh, last year, uh, 2022 or 2021. And then in 2022, uh, we did the unthinkable, um, you know, a, a CPA firm out of uh, St. Louis, Missouri, 
knocked on our door and said, Hey, we wanna, we, we'd love to have you join the team. And we said, absolutely not, <laughs> not interested. You know, we're doing things a lot differently. We so you weren't, be... you weren't looking to sell. No, not at all. You. Not looking to sell what it wasn't on your know, radar. Not... Interesting. And, and the funny part about it, we were getting like big, huge accounting firms are just knocking on our door. And we're like, no, no, no. We're not interested, not interested. Cause we didn't want to fold into, I didn't want to just be, I didn't want to be an apple hire. I didn't want to fold into an existing firm and then taking the team that we put together and, you know, absorbing in them. I, I wanted to, to carry it on because we had such a great thing going, you know, we're growing, yeah. we're doing things completely different where we're, we are the leader in virtual CFO services, the, by far the leader in the creative in, industry space, you know, that we, we were that, that person. I, and I didn't want, I didn't want that to go away. And so yeah. when they, when they approached us, you know, I'm, you know, like, like everyone else, you know, not interested, not interested, not interested. Um, but then I met with them and it's like, well, they're, 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 they're different. They're, they're, they're more progressive than I've, than I was, uh, I was expecting, you know, they, 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 they were, they were pretty cool actually. And, you know, with that, you know, they, you know, all the different things that they said that they would, you know, that we can continue being our own entity, you know, meaning that we were, mm-hmm. the own, we, we could be that virtual CFO arm for their company, which I thought that's pretty cool. So that's exactly what I was looking for. Yeah. Our marketing stayed intact. You know, everything stayed intact that, you know, from the way that we delivered, the way that we build, we don't work, you know, a bazillion hours during taxis like all these other accounting firms do. Our team works 40 to 45 hours all year round. So there's a lot of different bubbles that we burst. I didn't want to go backward. And uh, then I basically said, you know, hey, what? in order for this to work, here's here's what I'm going to have to, here's what I'm going to have to have. All these different things. They said, absolutely. And I was like, Oh, wow. <laughs> wasn't expecting that. <laughs> wasn't expecting that at all. You know, I was like, yeah. I was like, I was ready for some pushback somewhere. And then I introduced the yeah. team to them and they said, yeah, let's do it. And, uh, you know, year one, here we are wrapping up year one. Uh, it will be a year ago, April 1st. And so we're uh, in the 11th month, 12th month, kind of wrapping things up there. And uh, it's working out really well. Wait a minute. Who inks a deal on April Fool's Day? That's that would insane, me. first of all. <laughs> well, our, our number one core value, it's kind of funny, is humor. And uh, that's the uh, the funny part about our company in general is that humor, we, we start off all of our meetings with a joke, fun fact, you know, just kind of have fun. Love it. Uh, we, we, yeah. we, we want to take the, the boring day-to-day business type of thing out of the company. And I thought it'd be in poetic justice to uh, do it on April 1st. That's amazing. I love that. So, all right. So acquisition went well. We're going to say there's mm-hmm. no regrets because you're on the record here. Yep. Yep. Thinking back, you guys, you guys niched into creative. Yep. I'm curious, is that is that your only niche, or um, are there neighboring niches like, or do you literally just say we only work with this type of company? Yeah, great question. So we market to creative agencies. So for the, since probably 2013 or 11, 12, 13, somewhere they're going forward. Uh, that was 100% of our marketing. So majority of the clients that we picked up were in that area. Now, we, we didn't turn clients away in other niches because a lot of times it, they had to be okay. perfect. It had to be a service base. There's a lot of different things they had to do. But a lot of them, you can kind of it, it, basically there, there was a lot of similarities and common, you know, common features there. So we were able to do uh, different companies there. And then with, with, with the merger with Anders, they're like, you know, hey, we'd like you to kind of break break the mold and, and actually – focus on some other niches and kind of build those like you built the creative agency space. So mm-hmm. we're starting to dive into that. We're looking into potentially moving to the cannabis space, you know, the nonprofit space. Mm-hmm. We're looking at doing some, you know, basically the trucking and, you know, the, the logistics space, you know, some really different spaces there. And 
The only way we can do that is if we get thought leaders in each of those different spaces. You know, we've got a, a person that we're looking in the law space that, you know, that's all that they've been doing is, you know, law for a long time. They've got, they've got great rapport in the, the, the legal industry where they can actually speak in front of people. We can, they've got a creative mind where they can help write books, write articles and all the different things that are associated with it. So, so before the merger, yeah, it was strictly creative agencies. That was the only niche that we were going yeah. for. But, but after the merger, they're like, you know, Hey, let's see if we can blow it up. And, you know, our, our goal is to go from a $14 million firm this year, which is what we'll hit, uh, just our division. And then, uh, blow that up to $50 million within the next four years. And in doing so, we'd have to continue that double our size every three mm-hmm. years that we've been doing since, you know, 2010, but it, it, we'll put it on steroids by adding the different niches to it uh, to maybe see if we can even make yeah. it bigger. I love the goal. I think it, like, there's, there's no doubt that at 14, you can't scale up to 50 uh, by niching down. And there's so many agencies that I work with that are like, well, we're generalists and we don't want to own a single market because oh. what if that market tanks? But what you guys are doing is breaking into these markets that I don't want to say that they're recession proof, but these are industries that the world runs on logistics and trucking. Yep. I mean, cannabis is so huge that it, it, I don't, I don't know. It would take a global drought to eliminate that industry. Like, these are mm-hmm. solid, solid cornerstone industries, even though cannabis is a new mm-hmm. that by taking that model that you guys have really dialed in, in in the creative space and basically replicating it into these other industries. That's the sauce that so many agencies just don't dive, just don't dive into. And it oh. just it's the only way you can prove scalability. Oh, 100%. And you guys are doing it. I love it. That's it's, awesome. Oh, diving into a niche is, is night and day different. I mean, when you're a generalist. You can't command a high price for your service. You can't command a lot of different right. things. I mean, when, when we when we actually started specializing, it was, it was pretty neat because we we not we don't have a business development team. You know, we, we have my my myself, my partner. We we we're the two that take all the calls coming in, and you know because we developed a marketing engine that focused strictly on that niche. And, and it's very common that we'll get clients that will come to us and say, you know what, we're spending a lot of a lot of money on our our, our accountant right now, maybe 10 or 15,000 or $20,000, you know, but you get it, you know, we're, we're willing to spend $80,000 a year with you because you get this industry, you understand what's going on. And, and that's a, that's a very common thing that we hear 90% of the time we're on, we're on a call because we have the vernacular yeah. of the experience. They, they, we understand their situation and their, their pains. And, and that niching is so important because without that, you know, you can't grow, you can't grow at the speed, you know, that you can, if you do niche. Yeah. I love that. So, so the CFO advisory work that you guys are doing, mm-hmm. um, like at what point are you seeing agencies that are optimal for that, right? A half a million dollar agency is not relying on a CFO advisor, but at right. what point are you saying, Hey, you guys are at this point, you really need these kinds of services. Like what's the ideal size? You know, it, it's really when the owner starts deciding that they don't want to be the doer anymore. And that, that typically happens there about the million dollar mark, right? You know, whether they, they, they don't want to be the doer before that, but they can start shedding that doer responsibility uh, right at that mm-hmm. million dollar mark. And that's when we start seeing clients that really start to come in. So we, we take clients on only if they're a million dollars and above, unless they're highly capitalized, you know, startup mode, you know, that type of thing. That's a completely different scenario. But a million dollars is where we mm-hmm. see that. And we start seeing clients really, really in need of that between the three to five million dollars. Because now that now they've got not just themselves, but they're starting to develop a, 
a leadership team. You know, they maybe have a COO, they maybe have, you know, that their CEO, maybe they've got business development, you know, all, all the different C-suites, they start putting that into place at that point. At 5 million, they're definitely there. And, you know, I would say between the 1 million at the starter to probably the 5 million is when we see, we pick up most of our clients. Occasionally we'll pick up clients that are, that are more advanced than that, the 10, 15, $20 million mark. But for the most part, I would say, if I were to go back and just guess, I'd say 80% of our clients come, come to us between that probably two to $5 million mark. Okay. And are you advising them on getting distributed or um, converting in that space? Or is that just kind of separate that you're passionate about because you guys did it so well? And you're really focused on CFO advisory and numbers and, and strategy. Yeah, there. that's a great question. So, you know, w w with a CFO, basically CFO has a lot of different hats, right? So, you know, a CFO can, mm -hmm. you know, advise on what their overall experience is. And the nice thing about it is, is that our CFOs meet with each other every single week, a couple of times a week. So we're sharing experiences from a hundred plus companies, you know, not independent, not, not identifying companies, but sharing that overall growth. And the fact that we're fully remote, it gives the CFO that opportunity to share that experience as well. And so there's a lot of things outside of the dollars that a CFO can do. Uh, the primary thing is yeah. simply really kind of focusing on that forecast, you know, dynamic forecast, uh, financial modeling, so that, that as they're giving raises and price increases and all that kind of stuff, they can kind of see how that's going to impact cash and, and that sort of thing. That's their main thing. But they also work with the marketing team a lot of times with the pipeline and, and they need to understand what that is so that they can bring that information into the forecast. Because if they build this forecast based on what the team's capacity and they're like, oh yeah, we could do this, you know, $5 million based on the people we have, but their, but their pipeline showing that they don't have enough work to support the next three months. Well, that forecast doesn't really mean anything. And so that's when we actually start bringing the information down or bring those numbers down based on the pipeline. So the pipeline is important uh, part of that forecast, as well as all the industry stats, you know, Hey, how's everything going in the, mm -hmm. in the third quarter? Is it, is it the industry overall? And when I say industry, it'd be the hundred, hundred, hundred and quarter clients that we work with that. That's why I would consider our industry and you know, that type of thing. How, how are the other hundred uh, you know, clients doing? Are they, are, are they down also in that third quarter or is this a me thing? You know, it, it, and, yeah. and that's the kind of the, the perspective that a CFO, especially that's niche can bring. Uh, to the table, they can bring that experience, that knowledge, um, not just simply in the numbers themselves, but everything that go goes around the numbers. So are you building your own kind of internal industry trends of here's what we see between 120 agencies and you're anonymizing it and saying, yeah, trends are down, but you can expect next quarter to be up. Uh, that's very cool. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, all what are some of that we have like the utilization rate, the average bill rate, uh, we've got revenue okay. trends, average per you know employee headcount. You know, all, there's a lot of different KPIs that we can really focus on that and kind of share with the with the client. Hey, here's what here's what your peers are doing. You know, based on size, based on whatever. Mm -hmm. um, you know, a lot of times when clients come to us, we always tell clients that they need to have at least 10% of their annualized revenue in the bank at all times. So if they're a three million company, they should have 300 grand sitting in the bank. You know, part of it is in some sort of savings account, earning interest. You know, part of it's in the operating account. And then in addition to that, they should have money set aside for taxes. And, and so when they come to us, a lot of times, especially initially, they're like, I don't see that even possible. I, you know, I'm having a hard time just scraping away right now. How, how am I going to get yep. that kind of money in the bank? But then we, we can pull up and say, well, our average client has 15% in the bank. <laughs> you know, we're only asking you to put 10%. Yeah. And so now we're going to show you the path in order to really kind of gain and, and really create that. 
uh, cash position. So your cash position is strong uh, because the cash is the key to everything. Right. And so that's the key to that's the key to making decisions. You know, so if you're if you're to come to me and say, you know what, can we afford that business development person or do you think we should take that person on? My answer is going to be based on how much cash you have in the bank. You know, it's going to be like, yeah, you can take that risk, you know, because you've got, you know, you've got your 10 percent or 15 percent in there. You can't take the risk because you're barely scraping by, even though it'd be a great, great opportunity. It's not worth the risk. And, and so those are the types of discussions that we can have and, and kind of share the industry stats in order to really kind of solidify that for the uh, for the end user. What are some of those other kind of key you know, KPIs or just kind of uh, key indicators, those, those important numbers that people watch for? You mentioned usability. I get agencies all the time. What should this person be at or what should this person be at? And, you know, it varies by agency. It also varies by what their role is. But, I mean, what are some of those other numbers that you guys are watching for them? Yeah, utilization by team members is a big thing. You know, util, you know, utilization and then the average bill rate. Uh, those are the those are really two big factors for a lot of agencies, whether they're doing a flat fee bill or whether they're billing by the hour, um, because they can kind of trick yourself into thinking that one's higher than the other. And what what I mean by that is that an agency that comes to me and says, you know what, we we our average bill rate's two hundred dollars an hour or two fifty an hour or three hundred dollars an hour, then I look at their utilization. And it's a lot lower than an agency that maybe is billing you know, $175 an hour, $150. Their utilization may be a lot higher. And so the the, the, the kind of the blend there and, and the big key for us is that what we call the effective rate. It's when you take that utilization rate and you multiply it by that average bill rate and that comes out to an effective rate. And we find that most agencies are going to fluctuate or, you know, basically around that 90 to a hundred dollar mark when you, when you, when you take that, when you take that look. And so, you know, for the client that's billing two or $300 an hour and the client that's billing 150, they're really utilizing their utilizations the same way. And, and the big, big, you know, the big key there is that the utilization and the average bill rate and the effective rate is all, 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 all it's all going to be based upon what you're actually paying for that service. You know, so, are, are, is your entire team very talented, very expensive people where you've got to have a higher bill rate, or is it more uh, maybe it's offshore people that maybe you're not uh, maybe you're not paying as much money for, and, you, and your your bill rate can be lower. You know, so there's a lot of different fluctuations, or a lot of different things that go into it. And so when when I tell people to compare an industry average, I, I, I do it with very with, with big time caution because your scenario could be completely different than what that average is. Mm -hmm. And, and believe me, we would never have grown or done what we've done if we looked at the average industry averages everything and said, you know, hey, we want to be the industry average, you know, or we want to be what everyone else is doing. No, we didn't want to do that. We wanted to be different. And here's what we had to do. And so I, I always tell them when you create your own forecast and you, and you build it yourself and here's what you think you can do, that's really what you should be comparing yourself against all the time is what you intended to do and where you're at. And then use that industry information just kind of as a gut check, you know, Hey, am I out of yeah. the ballpark? Am I in the ballpark? You know, we're we around the ballpark, you know, where does that kind of flow? Yeah. So use the industry numbers as kind of bumpers or guidelines, but do your own math, build your own workbooks and spreadsheets and figure out what you should be charging based on the talent you've got. And mm -hmm. um, yeah, I think that's so important to figure out. One thing that you guys figured out early on and you mentioned you were doing um, um, like packages, weekly packages where you were just, you know, billing weekly or monthly as opposed yep. to hourly, which was the industry norm. And yep. there's so much discussion. I mean, David C. Baker talks about don't ever charge hourly. And some of these coaches talk about throw away the hourly. But then mm -hmm. it comes down to how do I know what to charge for a retainer or for a project if I don't know what my hourly internal costs are at least. And so 
what are your thoughts or how do you guys approach that as you know advisors for agencies? Yeah, so we, we always tell clients that we, we never bill by the hour, but we track time. You know, and some of the folks will say, don't track time. And it's like, well, that's great. If everything is going well, perfect, don't track time. You know, that mm-hmm. you don't need to. Uh, but why, why do you track time? Because when not everything goes perfectly all the time. And so that's where you can kind of figure out exactly what you're talking about. How much should I be billing? Because I need to know exactly what my team is doing. Not, you know, so that, I, and, and with different scenarios and situations, like you can, you can do the same project over and over again. You got a pretty good idea. Hey, Here's what we're doing. But you don't really know if, if that's the project we've been doing, but that's been at the lowest profit margin that we've always had. You know, are, are, are we, are we going to base our, our new flat fee on something that's not making money? And, and so that's where it's really important with the time and kind of just like trying to create that, you know, hey, here's what we need to be. And, and the thing you want to think of is that when you look at your contribution margin, and that means the, 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 the amount of actual resources you're using towards a project. Uh, you want you want that to kind of fall within about I would say seventy five percent gross profit or seventy five percent margin, and meaning that you, you've got twenty five percent of your costs involved with that project. What that's going to kind of mold down to is about a fifty percent gross profit overall in your company, and and that's kind of the goal. If you can get fifty percent gross yeah. profit, you're going to your bottom line is going to look really nice. It's going you know, depending upon how big you are, or whatever you know, it's going to be between fifteen, twenty, twenty five percent pretty easily, and so. That that contribution margins at seventy five percent. I don't know how to do that without without tracking time, and so time is super important mm-hmm. with that. Um, but yeah, so when, once you've identified that, then heck, let's take the leap. You know, it doesn't have to be every every client. You can just kind of start off with one or two clients and see how it goes, and then kind of go yeah. from there. But uh, I think the key is like you know David C Baker, Ron Baker is another another big huge component yep. proponent of uh, you know the non non billable hours that you know you've got got to take that risk and you've got to kind of kind of go through that. and then don't, don't be locked into it and massage it as you're going along and and we've had to do that too i mean when we first started we almost went out of business going that route because we, we we did we always thought we could actually do it faster and better than everybody and and we always we always underestimated our position in that and and it wasn't until over time that we figured we actually figured the secret sauce and that's build what you're worth completely don't uh yeah you know, don't don't look back, you know, and, and I'm telling you that it, it changed the way that we've done business. I mean, subscription based is definitely the way to go. If there's a way to you know convert your, your agency into a subscription based model in some way, shape or form, I would definitely look for that and be the disruptor in the, in, in the agency world. You know, I hear people all the time say, oh, we can't do that because no one's doing that. It's like, well, we couldn't do it either because no one's doing it. And here, here we are, you know, and, and I like to say that all the time. It's the easiest way to grow. It's the easiest way to build confidence in your, in your team. It's it, it, the team loves it. Your clients love it. You know, it, it's really a win-win for everyone. Yeah. I love that. And especially when they're like, well, nobody else is doing it. Well, that's why you should be doing it because now you've got a unique proposition and you're the one standing out in the crowd. And, you know, what was it? Um, Seth Godin talks about the purple dinosaur, I think. And like, yep. just, you know, be the one that stands out in the crowd. I think that's him. Maybe it's not. Anyway, yeah, I love it. Um, I, I think that, you know, the, the work that you guys are doing is help, super helpful. Um, I'm curious, do you guys, I know you've got your own kind of um, models behind things, but do you also do thing or subscribe to models like the Profit First model and things like that with clients? Um, profit First, not not necessarily. Uh, we, we um, Profit First, and the reason why is Profit First, they, 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 base, they're, they're, they base everything on a cash basis, and we want to create our KPIs on what we call an accrual basis. So we could, we're matching expenses, uh, true expenses to 
the, the revenue. And we feel that's important with our KPIs mm -hmm. and how we actually forecast out. So we, we don't subscribe to that, but we do take a, uh, we, we do have a similarity with the different uh, different approach with cash and stuff and that sort of thing where we you know what you have a cash account a, a, a cash reserve account and a tax reserve account so there's three accounts that we would have kind of similar to profit first would have but not yeah. exactly and so um, we, we do take a lot of the different uh, you know EOS we, we do pinnacle mm -hmm. you know a lot of the different operating systems we'll, we'll look at those and kind of try to implement as much of that into the processes that we can and kind of recommend folks like yourself to come in and, and, and really kind of be that that leader in that area. Uh, so we do definitely we definitely listen to a lot of them, but I wouldn't say we, we really prescribe to any one of them. Yeah, dig it. Uh, you got your own formula based on what works for you and what works for your clients. Yep. Uh, shifting gears last minute or so, I want to just ask a couple of non uh, accounting based rapid fire questions for you. OK, so what's your latest uh, new hobby book or podcast or something like that you're into? Oh, latest book. I got it right here, actually. Uh, it's by Tracy Barrett. What would it be uh, called, if, Jody? What If There's More. And uh, the, the cool what thing about this book more. is that Tracy Barrett, she just released it. Actually, a real good friend of mine. Uh, she was one of the founders of HGTV. And so she's um, wow. she came from that that era. And, and when, when she did that, she, when she left HGTV, you know, it's like, what do I do now? You know, I, I just hit the pinnacle. I've grown this thing. What do I do now? And I, I, I personally have come into the same same thing as I've grown Summit to where it's at 20 plus years of sweat, selling it out. Now I'm going to be with Anders for the next five plus years. You know, what what does my new journey look like? And that and that, that book really resonated a lot. Highly recommend it, especially for the, 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 the agencies out there that are looking to sell their business and they're not 100 percent sure what their what their next you know, step in life is going to be. And, and that's what this book addresses. So highly recommend it. Again, uh, Tracy uh, Barrett, what if there's more? And uh, it, it was just released just this past few months. Dig it. I will definitely link to that. Uh, and then what's a new tool that you are really leaning into uh, that's making your life either personal or professional a little easier? Uh, a new tool. Um, I, I would say, you know, when it comes to geeking out with the accounting area, I would say, um, you know, Divi is probably one of the, the coolest tools that we've used on the accounting side in a long time. And uh, why, why would I say that? It's because we have, you know, as a remote company, we are, we're constantly um, doing retreats. So we, we have two retreats a year that our entire team goes to, and those retreats are, are expensive. You know, they're $3,000 a person. Mm -hmm. So when you're looking at, you know, 70 people, you're spending two hundred thousand dollars on this retreat, you know. Now we could we could probably get away a little cheaper or maybe even more expensive, but you know the, the idea is that we want to make this an experience because we don't get the touch and feel that most brick and mortar companies get. So we want to create that experience for the uh, for our team. But the nice thing about it is it's really easy to go over over or under budget on those things. And so uh, what Divi allows us to do it allows us to really kind of create internal budgets for each one of our our uh, team members. And so I can see exactly where they're at. So if I give them an $800 budget for their airfare, I can see everybody when they get the airfare, where they came in and I can kind of stop the bleeding before it actually happens. You know, if, if we were planning on doing something super special and I find out that we've already used our budget, uh, I, maybe I can you know lower that down a little bit versus at the end of the retreat, look back and say, Oh my gosh, how'd we go over budget? <laughs> you know, that type of thing. So it, it keeps me in, Very in the cool. room. Yeah. And it's a product called awesome. Divi. Mm -hmm. Very cool. Well, Jody, uh, I really appreciate your time, the valuable information that you uh, shared here with uh, our audience. So 
Uh, thank you for joining me. I appreciate you, and uh, we'll talk again soon. Yeah, thanks, Steve. Appreciate it. Thanks again for tuning in to Bite-Sized Agency Briefs. As always, if you found value in this episode, chances are someone else will too. So please share it with your network. Also, if you know someone with expert knowledge on a topic that agency owners would love, drop me a note. Let's get them on. Finally, find someone to hug today.